Hi guys, welcome back to Infinite Possibilities, the podcast where we explore the lives of amazing people, their choices, challenges, and opportunities. And today I have a very special guest, Frank. Yeah, hello everyone. Hi Frank, thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so Frank, um, you know, when people ask you what you do, what's your two-minute introduction? Um, I'm a an associate professor from UQ and I'm uh, doing accounting research. So basically uh, my research interest focuses on capital market, corporate governance and accounting information. Um, so I'm also like playing basketball. So basically this is all about me, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm. So we wanna like go back to Frank's childhood, see what kind of life he had that got him to where he is today. So mm. Frank, what kind of proud were you like growing up? in terms of personality? Uh, when I was uh, very little, I have to say that I'm, I like thinking about all kinds of different questions. Oh. And uh, I'm also a little bit shy when I was, <laughs> uh, was a little kid. And yeah, because uh, as you know, at that time, uh, the culture I experienced does not encourage people to like ask uh, strange questions. So yeah, that's basically uh, uh, my childhood, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, I know that for me, when I was a child, I was very curious. And then I would all, I'd be like, oh, wait, Shama, or like, why? And yeah. then like my parents would be like, oh, just like, stop it. So <laughs> is, that, is that kind of what you received? Or were you like, what did your parents say? Did they sort of like, oh, don't yeah, think? Yeah, I think my, my parents are fine. Yeah, they encouraged me to... Uh, to ask a different kind of questions, but at that time, I, I think in the school, yeah, I, I was uh, I was really young in school and uh, asked some kind of uh, strange questions, and <laughs> let's let's not like um let let make me not a, like a popular student in in a school, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So when you say not a popular student, not popular with your peers nor with your teacher, uh. Uh, I think my teacher know me well because I'm the youngest one. It's very easy to be noticed. But uh, my, I, I have to say my academic performance is not very good. And uh, yeah, um, maybe that's because of my learning style. Yeah, I, I like to, uh, to ask a different kind of questions to learn new things, but I simply uh, not like like memorizing all different kind of stuff. So um, when I was at a junior high school or primary school, my my academic performance is not uh, very good. But later on, it's become it becomes better and better. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. And yeah. when you say you ask all sorts of strange questions, what kind of questions are we talking? Uh, I don't know. In fact, I also uh, forgot most of them, but I can remember that sometimes I was uh, kicked out of the classroom. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so very, very interesting experience. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very sad. <laughs> but, but also because I, I cannot focus very well, I think, because I always think about oh, some questions, maybe not let closely related to the uh, to the topic covered in a class yeah oh okay <laughs> and when you say that you were the youngest student how old were you when you first started um primary school I guess 
Oh yeah, I started my primary school pretty early. I think around when I was four and a half years old, uh, when I did my uh, year one. And uh, because uh, at my age, we only uh, spend like five years at a primary school. So basically I went to university when I was uh, 15 years old. So it's uh, yeah pretty early, yeah. Wow, so was that specific to China? Like, you know, only uh, five years of primary school or? Uh, no, I, I think uh, most of my classmates are like two to four years older than me. Yeah. So, yeah, I can still remember when I was the 30 year student in university. I'm still like the youngest one in, 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 our, in our school. Yeah. Wow. And what part, of, what part of China did you grow up in? Was it very rural? Uh, south part, Fujian province. Very cool, very cool. And so why did you start school so early at age four? Uh, I think it's because of my family, because mo both my parents uh, uh, have a full-time job. So it's very difficult for them to, uh, to accompany me. And at that time we don't have uh, daycare. So uh, in fact, they originally they planned to, uh, plan to, to me, take me to the school when I was three years old, but my mom said, Thought that is, it was too crazy, so I just <laughs> stay in my at my balcony for around one year. Uh, very, wow. yeah, very bored at that time. So next year, I, I strongly uh, uh, require that I I, I should be uh, sent to a school. Yeah. Oh wow! At four years old, mom, I want to go to school. Wow. <laughs> Was it more that it was like a better alternative than being bored at home, or was it because like had a desire and a curiosity to learn was that part of it uh i don't know i, I think at the time we just took the, the school as the, a pray a place like a daycare that's all they, they don't expect <laughs> me to to learn anything they just uh, ask me to be uh to be quiet not, not make any trouble at all yeah they don't have any requirement on my on my learning outcome yeah oh that's so interesting <laughs> um yeah, and so were your parents both teachers then, or what kind uh, my, of... Yeah, my mom is a teacher in primary school, and that's also one of the reasons why I can go to school so early, because it's likely ask her colleague to, uh, to take care of me, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's like that. Oh, okay. Wow, that's interesting. And so what is kind of your, I guess, in general experience being like very young um, and starting school early? Was it quite hard to um, maybe relate to your peers and stuff like that? Mm. I think, yeah, uh, I think generally speaking, it's fine because you always uh, stay with people that are older than you, two or three years older than you. So it, it could make yourself uh, more sophisticated compared to people who is at the same age as you. But meanwhile, it also, uh, uh, it, it is also challenging because basically you are competing with people who are older than you. So that's why I'm, I want to say uh, at the early stage, uh, my academic performance is not, not that good, but later on I, I, I catch up very uh, quickly. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And did anyone, was there any sort of, I guess, discrimination, you know, being you the youngest? Were people jealous of you? Like, oh, damn, Frank, why are you going to university at 15? Or like... <laughs> uh, no, I, I, don't, I, I don't know, in fact. I don't know whether they are jealous or not, but I, I don't think so. Yeah, but sometimes, um, yeah, 
sometimes I, I, I could also uh, got a bullet maybe, but the, the, the lucky part is that uh, for those uh, big boy, they don't want to bully me because it's not that challenging. So, <laughs> so luckily, yeah, I'm uh, all are going on well, yeah. Yeah, and then so you mentioned bullying. So, um, mm. was that was that like just general? Was it because of maybe your behavior in the class? You ask like a lot of questions and people get annoyed. Was that where the bullying stemmed from, or? Oh no, I, I don't think that's uh, that's one of the reason. I think that simply happen uh, everywhere, and uh, yeah, and uh, when you are are the youngest one, you are the smallest one. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, the possibilities increase a little bit. Yeah. 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 Cool. That's interesting. And so, Frank, also, um, China is known for their Gaoka, which is their mm. um, university entrance exam. I've heard yeah. many stories, but do you, mm. I know it's been like quite a long time ago. But what mm. was your Gaoka experience? Oh, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, it's, it's really uh, very competitive. Um, in fact, when I was at year nine or 10, I, I didn't realize how uh, competitive the exam is. And I'm pretty confident about myself. But later on, I know that like uh, in the whole class, uh, we have uh, like 60 students and eventually uh, only around the 10 students get, can get in. So it's really very competitive. Yeah. But I have to say, I, because maybe because I'm too young at the time, I, I, I did not study very hard at that time. Yeah. Um, because I thought that I'm, I'm young and that's fine. I can like uh, take, take the text twice. I, I can wait one more year. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So I don't have too much pressure at that time. I just, uh, I just do what I want to do. And, uh, and as I have mentioned, my academic performance is not that good, but eventually, uh, luckily, I'm, yeah, I'm good enough to get in, but still, uh, I did not do very well, I have to say. But after I went to university, I, I, then I realized the importance of study. I, yeah, I spend much more time on study and become better and better. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So pretty much only your academics started to really improve after, like at university and beyond. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have to say maybe at the final year, like year 12, uh, my academic performance is already uh, not bad. I have to say not bad. Because if you want to get in, you need to uh, get in university, you need to have pretty good um, performance. I still remember I, in my year, uh, that year, I think the, the, the population of uh, people that is 18 years old is around like uh, 20 million. And uh, uh, only like uh, less than 1 million can get in the university. So the percentage is very low. It's like, if you want to get in, you, you need to be like maybe around the top 5% in your population. So yeah, it's a very competitive uh, exam. And uh, to get in, you need to be, to be good. But after you get in, if you compare with, with your peers, then you can find that a lot of people are good, right? Yeah, there are still like around 1 million people getting to university and uh, you just want to be better and better. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, that's true. And so Frank, I also have a question about how did you manage to improve your academic grades? Like, you know, up until grade 12, like, do you mm. have any advice for the, I guess, late academic bloomers? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think there are two important things. One is that you need to be confident. I think I, I, I'm always very confident about myself. Uh, no matter how poor my academic performance is. I still can remember when I was at year nine, um, my ranking is around like 56 out of 60. Yeah, so it's, it's basically the, the, uh, yeah, the poorest uh, in, in my class, but I'm still confident, as I mentioned, I, I thought that I can get in the university. Although uh, at this moment, if you look back, you can, you can find that it's a, it's a very crazy uh, thought, right? Because you need to like be top 10 to get here, but basically you are the bottom 10. But yeah, that's me. I have to say I'm pretty confident. I, I thought that if I uh, study hard, then I, I can improve, no problem. Uh, a lot of people uh, um, focus too much on like, you, you need to have a very solid foundation. You need to, uh, you need to uh, accumulate, uh, through like three years, uh, otherwise you cannot get in. But my thought is that if you can be, uh, if you study hard, you can always catch up very quickly. So firstly, you need to be confident. Another one is that you need to be focused. Yeah, mm. just focus on, on what you are doing. So, so I, even now I'm, I'm still um, keep such kind of uh, 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 working pattern. That is when I work, I need to be very focused. I, I normally I turn my mobile phone to uh, to the flight mode, and uh, yeah, set one hour alarm, and focus on the on what I'm doing. Just like I, I I always want to say that I I just take every hour as sitting in the exam, totally focused. Yeah, and after one hour, I will take a ten minutes break, and then do another hour again. Yeah, so according to my own experience, if you can do it like uh, four hour, very focused study, uh, it should be, it's, your performance should be very good. Yeah, if you can do it, yeah. Oh, around at that time when you were in China, how, how, like, how long did you study for? Uh, you know, when, when, when we were students, it's like we basically focus on study. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's like 10 to 14 hours a day. Yeah. Wow. And how does one maintain such focus for such long periods of time? Mm, so I have to say you need to have a very strong motivation. You need to know what you want to do, what you, what you want to achieve. Yeah. And when, when, the, when the object, when your aim is really clear, then you can focus and motivated to do it. Then I think you can do it. Yeah. Mm. And so at that time, what was your, I guess, motivation for improving your academic? Was it purely for just going to university at that time or? Uh, yeah, I, I just want to be knowledgeable. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that time, that's what I'm thinking. I I'm, I'm just want to, uh, want to explore more opportunities. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm I'm a, a guy who likes thinking about different kinds of questions. So I, I just want to be knowledgeable. I also want to fulfill 
my curiosity. So yeah, so that's the most important motivation. And uh, uh, in China, we have, a, we have the culture that you can um, change your life by, yeah, by study. So I believe that. So oh. yeah. Mm. yeah, damn, but that's so good that you had, I guess, such a pure kind mm. of motivation to become more knowledgeable. I think that's the yeah. first time I've heard that everyone is like, <laughs> Oh, get a good job and then <laughs> earn money, retire early. Yeah, but, job yeah. is, of course, job is important. But what I'm thinking is that uh, if you are knowledgeable, if you are good enough, you don't need to worry about the, your job. The job will come to find you. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's so true. And in terms of like, I guess, building confidence, would you say that you are someone you mm. had like inborn confidence or was it maybe like something you attributed to your parents, like nurturing you, encouraging you, or where did mm. it really come from? Do you think? I think, I think maybe both. Yeah. I still can remember when I was, uh, my, my memory is really early, by the way. I, I think, oh. I guess it's because I, I, I went to school very early. So I can remember what happened when I was two years old. So I can <laughs> remember, yeah, when I was two years old, I'm pretty confident about myself. I thought that I can, I can do anything I want. Yeah, that's why what, what, what I was, was thinking at that time. So I think this is the inborn, what, what I want to be part. But of course, my parents are also played a very positive role. They always encouraged me, told me that you can do it, uh, even when when my performance is not that good. So yeah, I think both are important. Yeah, that's pretty good. And so I find it really fascinating that you have a really good memory <laughs> starting at two years old. Do you, yeah. um, do you have any like scattered thoughts about like how it felt to be a two-year-old or three-year-old or four-year-old? Do you have any interesting thoughts? Sorry to put you on the spot. If not, all good. In fact, I, I already forgot most of, of my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I still remember I, I did a, uh, a lot of diaries at that time. Yeah, write down what I'm thinking. And even at that time, I also, uh, I also if I, my memory serves, I also wrote down something related to parenting because I thought that uh, sometimes my parents cannot understand me. So I, I write down in case in the future when I grow up, I forgot about that. But in fact, I cannot find the diary now. <laughs> oh, damn. How precious. Yeah. Wow. wow. You're very smart to keep a diary at such a young age. I think I only started doing a diary seriously when I was in high school. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's very cool. Mm. Yeah. And so I was wondering, um, you know, I guess Chinese parents are kind of like notorious and known for, you know, having really high expectations for their children, wanting to be like a doctor, lawyer, etc. Just wondering, did your parents have any kind of like ideal career path laid out for you? Uh, in fact, I don't think so. Yeah. And uh, I have to say that the Chinese parents, uh, from my own perspective, could be similar to any parents in the world. Yeah, the, the, the reason that why we have such impression is because uh, the people uh, you know normally come from that kind of family. Because if they if they do not come from that family, basically maybe they cannot pass the Gaokao and they cannot get in the university. Okay. And then you, you you can you cannot see them 
uh, at overseas. So it's like a selection bias. So what I mean is that human nature is similar. Uh, Chinese parents are simply similar to any parents around the world. They, they simply hope that hope the best for their children. Yeah. And uh, maybe um, the best strategy for them is to, uh, to push their children to get a good academic performance in the environment. So that's why we can see some like a tiger mom or tiger dad uh, from China. But I, I believe that um, Chinese also have, uh, China also have different kinds of parents. And uh, there are a lot of reasons that we, we get the impression that they are different. But basically, I, I think they are the same. And for my parents, they also pay a lot of attention to the academic performance because they know that if I uh, cannot get in the university, then maybe uh, I lose a lot of uh, opportunities. Yeah, I don't have too many options if I cannot get in university. So that's why they, 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 they also pay a lot of attention to my academic performance. But I would say they are pretty patient about me, maybe because I went to school pretty early. So they thought that is fine. It, they, they just wait, wait me to, to grow up. And that really helps, in fact. They are pretty patient. They, they don't push me too hard. Yeah, so uh, when I was at high school, I normally uh, went to bed before 10, 10 p.m. And that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty different from other children. Normally, they, they study uh, too very late. But uh, I, I simply cannot do it because I, I'm, I, I can become very very sleepy after 10 years, uh, after 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so I have to say that, yeah, my parents may be a little bit different from other parents, yeah. Yeah, but that's so interesting because I know that, like, if, if I was, like, living in a dorm and everyone mm -hmm. was sleeping at, like, 12 a.m. and I was tired, I would be looking mm -hmm. to my left and right and I'd be like, these are my competitors. I better stay up early. And... I'm like fascinated that I guess you had a you had that sort of kind of individualism from a young age like they're doing their thing I'm doing my thing and I'm confident uh yeah but of course you are, you always can get some pressure because after every examination you got a ranking right you know that what's the position you are in the in your class yeah but I think what, what I want to say is that uh, different people have, uh, have a different uh, pattern of growth. So you just stick to your own and uh, be confident about yourself, but you also need to be very self-disciplined. Yeah, that's very important. If, uh, if you are not self-disciplined, if you uh, just uh, um, relax and uh, sit there and hope that something could happen, that, that's basically impossible, right? You need to work hard. Firstly, you need to work hard and then believe in yourself. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I also want to ask you, how do you build self-discipline if that's a question that can be really answered? Yeah, so again, this is also related to, to your motivation and sometimes also learn from your peers. And I'm very lucky to have some good friends who are very self-disciplined. Yeah, they are very mature, sophisticated when they were in high school. Wow. And uh, I, so I, I can still remember uh, 
because at that time my my English is very poor, and the English is a very important subject in the high school. And uh, I also asked some of my classmates how to improve my English, and uh, they just tell me you need to spend time on it. And I, I'm very confused. I, I say how to spend time. I, I think I don't have any time to. I have enough time, but I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't know how to start. And one of my classmates just showed me a dictionary from the first page to the last page, full of all kinds of different notes there. So I'm pretty shocked at that time. And then I know, okay, I really need to spend time on, on English. Yeah, so, so I really learned a lot from my peers there, from especially some uh, some good peers. So another important thing is that you always need to learn from those uh, people who have good performance. Be their friends, ask them how to do it, and observe how they do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good tip. And also being able to surround yourself by them. So it's mm. like naturally rubbing off unconsciously. So yeah. Frank, also now that you have improved your English, because I have mm. a lot of relatives. They also want to learn English. And <laughs> do you have any more, I guess, specific advice for improving English other than it takes time? <laughs> yeah, if they are, uh, if English is not their native language, yeah, then I, I do have some uh, advice because I personally, I experience a lot of difficulties when I learn English. Yeah. So when I was at high school, uh, English is, uh, very poor at that time. I still can remember I, my mark is like less than 50 out of 100 at that time. Yeah, but later on, yeah, got improved and improved. And uh, I tried a different kind of ways to learn English. So I have to say so far, I thought uh, the most efficient way I thought is firstly for, uh, for foreigners like Chinese, the first thing you need to do is to memorize a lot of vocabulary. Yeah. And uh, I recommend people to memorize like around 6,000 uh, words in six days. Yeah. Basically you can do it, but the thing is that you need to be very focused and very motivated to do it in one week. And after you memorize all these vocabularies, then uh, go ahead to, uh, to reading, read a lot of things. Yeah, if you if your if you you if your vocabulary is very poor, then it's impossible for you to read anything. So you need to firstly memorize thousands of vocabularies and then start to focus on reading and listening. Yeah. And of, of course if you can find some place to practice your oral English, that will be great. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's quite an interesting kind of way. Yeah, I'll get my relatives yeah. to try it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I personally uh, myself try that. I, I also uh, let some of my friends to try that. And it turned out that uh, we really can memorize like 6,000 uh, yeah, words in around six or seven days. Yeah. Hmm. Do you also have any kind of memorization technique? Uh, no, uh, I think you just need to, uh, to repeat, yeah. So, so there are a lot of uh, tools online now. You can just stick to the, to the plan and, uh, and uh, memorize it. But, but the thing is that it, 
for the seven days, it's not easy. Uh, I also have some friends who can just uh, do it for two days and then give up. Yeah. If, if you can do it in six or seven days, then it means that you are a very self-disciplined person. You can get it done and then, and then just uh, jump to reading. Yeah, reading, I think, is fundamentally important. Yeah, you just need to read all different kinds of uh, articles and also try to memorize some good sentences. That, that helps a lot, yeah. Oh, I'm also surprised that in your, I guess, kind of learning method, you didn't talk about like memorizing grammar structures or that's not, or uh, that's I, not knowledge or? Yeah, I don't think that's important because after you, you, you know the meaning of vocabulary, you read a lot, eventually naturally you learn the grammar. Yeah, so you don't, don't need to uh, stick to grammar at the very beginning, but yeah. you just need to keep reading. Yeah, just read, read, and read, and then try to write. Yeah. Oh, cool. And one more question about this is that yeah. for memorization, like how strong does the kind of memorization, how strong should it be? For example, if I were to memorize the word boat, does that mean like I just mm. like when I see the word boat, I understand what it is, or someone has to say the Chinese word for boat and then I can translate it? Or what about? Do I have to be good enough to make a sentence with both or what kind mm -hmm. of level? Oh, yeah, of very good question. What I mean is that you just need to like, when you see the word, you know what it means and that's enough. And later on, you just keep reading and learn the, learn the deep uh, meaning of the word through reading. Yeah. Oh. And then while reading, is it you just like try to read as much as you can or are you trying to like focus mm. on that on that one book and try to understand everything and make notes on it, or you're just trying to just like skim everything? Yeah, so basically for reading, there are two different kinds of reading, right? One is like uh, you, you focus on reading some very classical uh, uh, works. Another one is that you just read uh, all different kinds. So I think you need to do, normally we need to do both. Yeah, so we always need to, need to uh, focus on some very classical works. You need to read it maybe three or five times, right? To really get it or really understand it. And you also need to spend time to read all different kinds of articles. Yeah. So, so both are important, I think. Oh, but at this stage, it's more about the quantity rather than the quality of your understanding. Is at the very beginning, yeah, maybe quantity matters. Yeah, you just need to you just need to strengthen your understanding of those vocabulary through reading. So you need to read a lot. Yeah. But meanwhile, you also need to spend more time on those uh, more important readings. So how can we know it is important or not? It, of course, you, time will tell us, right? If some, some book can be popular for like 100 years, then obviously it is a very good book. Yeah, so you need to spend more time on that kind of books. Yeah. yeah, true. Cool. Now going back to a bit of Frank's timeline. So <laughs> yeah. Frank, you studied very hard. I guess you didn't study that hard for Gaoka, but you studied, you know, you're already at quite an okay level. At mm. that time, in terms of careers, did you have any kind of ideas? Mm, sorry, in kind of what? In terms of careers, like career uh, paths, did you want to be a doctor or something? Uh, at that time, I, I basically have no idea. Yeah, I have to say that even 
the major accounting, it is randomly selected. Yeah, I have no idea at the time. So, so yeah, because like it's like uh, 25 year, years ago. So at that time, I, I, I basically have no idea about uh, what I need to do. Yeah, but later on, um, I know much, much better about why I should do what I want to do. Yeah. Ah, okay, cool. So when you got the results from Gal Carl, mm. um, what did you like? I'm not that familiar about the selection system, mm. but you see the score and then you have this list of opportunities that you can pick from degrees yeah. that you can choose. I think we 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 did it before Gal Carl, yeah, at that time. Yeah. Oh, and then so so what did you what what did you choose? For your bachelor's, uh, basically, uh, I choose I choose banking at that time. Oh. yeah, and uh, the only reason I choose banking is is because my brother is doing mm. banking, so so I just follow him. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, I simply have no idea, and uh, at that time, people just say banking is a very good major. It's you will be, you can easily find a job in the future. So. I just choose banking. And uh, in fact, I have no idea what, what banking is about and what can, can I do in the future. So, so I just follow other people at that time. Yeah, just simply like most of other people Yeah. my time, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then so what, like, how did you start to get interested in accounting and how did you finally end up choosing accounting? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's also uh, pretty random, I would say. Yeah, so um, uh, my, my major is banking, but I, I also need to, uh, to do some accounting courses at the time. Yeah, so uh, I did the fundamental accounting and the cost accounting, something like that. And uh, I, yeah, later on, I, I want to, uh, to go, go ahead to do master in, in Xiamen University. And at that time, uh, my select, my selection is pretty limited and accounting major is one of, of my option. So, so that's why I simply choose accounting because accounting major ranked very, uh, very high for Xiamen University at the time. Maybe I think it's the, the number one in China at the time. And, wow. and so, yeah, that's why I choose it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, good. Good choice, I guess. And then, so after doing your master's, how did you decide that you wanted to do a PhD? Did you do it straight after or did you take a few years? I, I, I did it straight after that. And in fact, most of my classmates uh, choose to, uh, to, 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 to find a job directly yeah, because it's very well paid. It's easy to find a good job. And uh, um, I have to say, yeah, a lot of opportunities there. But uh, because I, I've been, I'd been working for four years before I, I, I did my master program. So I know very well that I, I like to be in university because I like thinking, as, as I mentioned to you, right? I, I like thinking about all different kinds of questions. I, I want to be knowledgeable. And I think the best place I can achieve uh, what I want to achieve is in university. Yeah, that's why I go ahead to pursue my PhD. Oh, and so when you started um, your PhD at that time, were mm. you already certain that you wanted to be a lecturer or you were just yes. like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, very determined. I think sort of be like um, the, after I 
I did my master program, program, I'm pretty sure and I'm pretty determined to, to do my PhD. But of course, a lot of people tell me that why not go out? In fact, I, I have a friend, um, he, he encouraged me to find a job director because he told me that this is the, uh, we have a better chance. China's economy is fast growing and we should, uh, we should catch up the, the opportunity. We can make a, make a big money. That's what he told me. Yeah, we should go out to, to work. Yeah, but I still believe that I, um, uh, what I want, want, want to get. Yeah, I, I, I hope that I can be working in some place, in, 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 in some institution that could give me freedom to pursue what I want to do and to, to, uh, to make myself more and more knowledgeable. So that's why I'm very determined to be, uh, to pursue my PhD, yeah. Oh, cool. And also about your PhD journey, how, mm. I guess, um, because you strike me as someone who's very disciplined and confident, like you said before. So mm -hmm. how tough was the um, PhD journey for you, um, especially from doing, I guess, master's thesis to PhD? Mm -hmm. Some people uh, say that master's yeah. is more tougher because it's one year thesis mm -hmm. and PhD is four years. But what's your take on that? Uh, I think that it's, it's kind of a different level. So it's not comparable. PhD is much, much more difficult than a master. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, because it's very serious, you, you can think about it. Now you, you, are, you want to be like a professional uh, knowledge generator. It's like that, right? Master is like you, maybe you, you pray it because you, you like it, just like you, you play basketball because of it is a hobby. But, but PhD means that you want to do it as a professional one. It's just like you want to get an MBA to, to play basketball. So it's totally different. And uh, what I want to say is that, of course, if you want to just get a PhD, maybe that's not too challenging. But if you want to be a, a good academic, that's, that's difficult. You, you want to be a, a good professor in the future, for example, that's very challenging. If you want to publish good papers, if you want to advance knowledge, uh, that's very challenging. So uh, what I want to say is that PhD study uh, is the most focused study I have ever experienced. Yeah, it's like I spend, uh, I have no holiday, basically 365 days. Every day I'm thinking about my re research question. Every day I work from, uh, from morning to midnight, uh, never, never take like a rest in the, uh, in the weekend. Yeah, so, so it's like that. It's because you, you, you find something that you really want to uh, devote it to, you want to focus on. Yeah, so you, you, you just keep doing it every day and uh, maybe every minute. Sometimes even when you are, sleep, are sleeping, you're still thinking about some research questions. And uh, sometimes maybe you uh, woke up in midnight because you suddenly realize that you, you, you thought about something. So I, what I want to say is that it's, it's totally different because it, once you did, decided to do PhD, it means that you want to uh, be a professional knowledge uh, generator. So, so it's like you want to uh, be very serious. You take it as your career. So you need to be focused and, uh, 
and uh, uh, devote all of your time to it. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. Very intense. So during your PhD process, did you have any, I guess, breakdown? Did you have any like, I want to quit? Did you have any of those kind of big existential crises? Or... Uh, basically no, but I have to say because I'm, <laughs> as I mentioned, I'm pretty confident. So oh. yeah, I'm, yeah. Let's look great. I have. I think. Uh, of course, uh, to be a, I think if you want to be a good academic, you, a very important thing you need to have is that you need to enjoy the, the failure, enjoy the rejection. Yeah, you need to take every rejection as an opportunity to grow up. You can learn from uh, what you failed. Then you realize what you need to improve. Yeah. So, so basically, you have no time to be sad, right? You you need to <laughs> learn from it immediately. You need to, yeah. You need to to know your weakness, what you need to improve. Yeah, and then improve it. Yeah, yeah. I guess focusing more on the next step rather than wallowing in your sadness. Yeah, I think doing PhD is like, I think it's highly similar to like entrepreneurship. Like you're running a business. Of course, you are going to fail again and again, but this is a process to improve yourself and find the right direction. And if you keep doing it, eventually you, you are going to succeed. That's what I deeply believe. But you just need to be like, um, uh, to be smart, to be always think about, okay, what uh, I fail this time, but what I can learn from this experience, uh, what can I do better in the future? So you need to think about all these kinds of things and go back to think about yourself. Don't always bring your environment because everybody have a similar environment, but some people get successful. So you need to think about something from yourself to make yourself better and uh, uh, take another challenge yeah yeah that's true I guess it feels more liberating to focus on your sphere of control otherwise you feel like there's mm. nothing you could have done yeah, yeah. Mm. I have one more question about PhD yeah. and then I also want to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship so <laughs> yeah. wondering PhD is like a big um to find your research interests for your PhD is a big task because mm. you want to be sure that you're passionate enough to mm. sort of last you through those years. So how did you sort of go about finding your research interests? Yeah, I think firstly, you need to read a lot. Uh, yeah, without reading a lot, basically you are, you, you, you cannot figure out what you are really interested in. So yeah, my own experience is that you, you just, uh, the first maybe, first year maybe, you just try to read everything that is important. And when I say important, it means that it is really an important work uh, out of many years, out of, out of many readers' judgment. So I always search the most highly cited work and read them, yeah. Uh, no matter uh, which discipline it is in. So for example, economy, marketing, management, whatever area, I just read it to see to, to check why this work is so important and if it is a good work, why it is so good. Yeah. And then go back to think about something uh, important in my own area. Yeah. So, so I think this is also a, <clears throat> a process of uh, uh, trial and error. So you just keep thinking. And of course, you need to have a very good supervisor 
to help him to to make to help you to judge whether this idea is really good or not, whether it's feasible or not. So you, you need to have a very good communication between you and your supervisor and get a good uh, suggestion and guidance from your supervisor. Yeah. yeah, that's good tips. And so when you finally figured out your research interests, was there one big standout research interest that you were super interested in or were there like, five different ones or did you find oh this is the one i definitely want to do mm, yeah i think uh, the criteria is very simple you just need to find something that really makes you excited and that you want to devote like a future five or ten years to it yeah if if you are not excited then it's not a good idea <laughs> of course sometimes you can also um, share this one with some of your uh, good friends to see whether they are excited or not. So basically, if you can make you yourself excited and also make some other people excited, then it is highly likely that it could be a good idea. Yeah. Wow, interesting. And how did you maintain your excitement over the like four or five year long period? Mm, yeah, good question. As I mentioned, I just want, want to be a more knowledgeable, knowledgeable person. So that's why I keep doing it. I, I'm curious about everything new. So I just keep learning, uh, keep reading papers, keep thinking about some new research questions. Yeah, so basically, yeah. 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 Wow, so cool. Sounds like you're born for research. <laughs> As I mentioned, both are important. Yeah, some people are born to be something, but maybe uh, later on, the later education, the, the, the people around you are also very important, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, more about entrepreneurship. So you told me previously, like yeah. at a point in time, I guess it was probably before your master's where you tried to do mm. um, small businesses. So yes. tell me more about that and why. Oh, uh, yeah. I think that is like one year out I graduated from the university. And one of my good friends, um, he asked me to uh, to to do a small business with him. Yeah, and uh, at that time, I'm pretty young. I have to say I'm just like 19 years old. And, and I think, why not have a try? So we just uh, try it, but it does not work out. As, as I mentioned, business is like doing research. It's risky. And uh, um, the, the probability of being successful is pretty low. And uh, but, but later on, um, my business partner quit because he found a, <laughs> found a good job, for, unfortunately. And I, I just think it's too much for, uh, for me to handle all the things. And because at the time, uh, I, I cannot find any other people to get in. So eventually I also quit. Yeah, so it's a, a, very, sh a, a very short time uh, period of doing business, but I think um, it also have a pretty uh, big influence on myself. I realized that um, if you want to get something done well or get successful, you need to be, um, <clears throat> you need to try again and again. Maybe one time is not enough. Yeah. As I mentioned, you need to learn from the failure and keep trying and take another challenge. Yeah. So that time when you did the business with your friend, how long was that period? Was it just like a few months or a few years? Uh, I think it's just around one year, I guess. Yeah. 
Oh, what was the business about, by the way, if you remember? Uh, yeah, it's a retail one. Yeah, we just <laughs> <laughs> bought some stuff from another place and sell it. Yeah, yeah. sell it to, uh, I think, to university students. Yeah. Yeah. And was that the last um, sort of business venture that you did or did you do other businesses? Uh, yeah, I also did another one out I uh out I, I graduated from my PhD. Yeah. But again, that one is not a serious one, but it's just because my colleague uh come up with an idea of doing the uh doing the the, the the automatic trading system. So yeah, so I spent some time because it's also closely related to my research. So so that's why I I try to collaborate with, with them. But unfortunately, just simply out two or three months, I, my wife got an offer from Australia. So we just moved to Australia. So we eventually quit. Yeah, but my, uh, my partners have uh, become pretty successful later on, I have to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> um, cool. I just have some other, maybe, I guess, a bit more general questions. So overall, young people... You know, a lot of my peers, they've just graduated or uh, like just have one or two years left. Yeah. So what are your kind of tips for finding passion in your career and figuring out what you like exactly? Because I think that, um, I don't know about you, but I don't believe that there's like one career path that you're born into. No. That there are so many. And then Much I don't know though. which one to choose if yes. all of them look good. <laughs> Yeah, for young people, I think uh, it's important to accumulate different kinds of experience to know yourself better. Yeah, so, so just take, if you have the opportunity, maybe ju just take different kinds of jobs, different kinds of internship to get the experience, to know that what is, what is really the job that you are excited about. Yeah, I think the happiest thing is to find a job that you're really excited about. Yeah, just like a Warren Buffett said, that every morning when, when he got up, he cannot wait to go to his office. You sort of get such kind of feeling, yeah. Wow, I'm wondering if that kind of feeling is attainable. Do you, what about you, Frank? Do you think that you're excited every morning to wake up, teach, research? Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, as I mentioned, anything that's related to advancing knowledge could make myself excited, yeah. So... I think young people still also find uh, what they are really interested about and then uh, just devote it to it, focus on it, yeah. Yeah, and then there's also, because mm. I think I've definitely tried many different opportunities, tried different internships. Mm. There's nothing yeah. really that I'm excited about. Um, <laughs> so I'm also kind of curious on your take on when someone should stop, mm. I guess, searching and start settling because... I think that like um, money, like, you know, earning enough to be able to live from it is like a very real question. So if, mm. for example, I was 30 and nothing really struck me as fun, <laughs> I could do this, should I, should I stop searching and just find a job and stick with it? Uh, in fact, personally, I don't think money is the most important factor. Yeah, because I believe once you choose your career and if you can be the, for example, the top performer, you can always get a lot of money. No doubt of it. If you check every different kind of jobs, if you can get it done well, of course you can get uh, very well paid. 
And that's what I believe. That is your pay sort of match um, the service or the goods you, the quality of the service or your, the goods you, you provided to other people, right? If, if your quality is, if our service quality is like top 5%, then basically I believe your pay will also around the top 5%. But sometimes maybe not exactly matched, but what I mean is that uh, generally speaking, uh, they, they are matched. So don't need to worry about uh, too much about the pay at the very uh, beginning. So if you think about it, if you, if you want to be good at anything, you need to be very focused. As I mentioned, you need to devote all your time to it. But suppose this is not something that you are excited about. Then it sounds really sad, right? Because it devoted to something that you are not excited about. And uh, you, 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 you try to do it for like 20 years, then that makes no sense, right? We, we should devote ourselves to something that we are really excited about. That's what I believe. So I think um, we should be a little bit more patient at the very beginning to find what you are really interested, what you are really excited about, and then focus on it. Yeah. Do you believe that someone could never find anything that they really want to do as a job? Do you believe that? Or you believe that with I, time? I don't believe, yeah. I, I think everyone can find something that he, he or she is really interested in. But maybe this is like relatively speaking. So, so it also depends on, on the personal characteristics, right? For someone who is like perfectionist, maybe everything needs to be perfect. Then maybe could step back a little bit. So sometimes what I mean is, so I mean, sometimes you need to uh, also communicate with your friends, consult some of your, uh, maybe your parents, some senior people to know more about uh, whether this is really something that you are excited about, really something that's worth you to devote all your time to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Um, also, do you believe that, um, I think there are, I guess, two kind of different-ish kind of models towards work. One is that if you're passionate about it, don't do it for a living. So have a boring nine to five and then pursue your hobbies because when you mix what you're passionate about and try to monetize it, especially for creative people, like maybe artists, painters, you will ruin it. And then there's the other is like, find what you're passionate about and do it for a job. What are your thoughts on that? Um, what I'm thinking is that you need to uh, think about, of course, firstly, something you are excited about, but also you need to think about your own strength. You need to combine both, I think, yeah. If you are really excited about something, but you are really not good at it, for example, <laughs> then, then maybe it's not a, a good combination. So that's why I say you need to also ask some of your friends, uh, some senior people to help you to make judgment. Uh, we hope that we can make a, a good combination, right? Something you're really excited about and something you're really uh, good at it. Yeah, your strength and then combine both so that you can, yeah you can get it done well. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Just wondering for yourself, your excitement for your job on a daily basis, like if 10 is like extremely excited and zero is not at all, where do you fall on the ranking out of curiosity? Yeah, basically 10 because I cannot find anything that's more excited. Yeah. And in fact, um, many of my friends around me is, is like that. Yeah. Sometimes I ask someone, okay, you, you have 
good uh, you have good pay right you you have enough money then why you still like uh working so hard and i think the answer is similar to me they cannot find any other things that are more exciting so that's why they simply <laughs> go to office every day yeah basically it's not for pay uh after some years because you, you don't worry too much about that and uh, the only reason is uh, about your uh, uh your own uh, achievement you want to be better yeah Wow, damn, I aspire to have that much passion. Maybe one day get back to you, Frank, on that. <laughs> I think it could be very soon. You can, <laughs> you can achieve that. Um, I hope so. Um, and also you had some quite great ideas that you told the class about, you know, young people. And the first one I want to talk about is you mentioned that, you know, as a young person, when you graduate, no need to worry too much about saving so much and more about yes. investing in yourself. So can you yeah. please elaborate? Yeah, that's always my, my opinion because I think when, when you are young, when you are at your early career, so basically your revenue is like the lowest in, in your whole career. So it's not very smart to like save money or accumulate money at this time because it's, the efficiency will be very low. My suggestion is that uh, try to invest in yourself. Spend, maybe you need to spend all your money on your, on your own to make yourself better, yeah, to learn new things, to accumulate some new experience. So even if you need to borrow money to do it, I think it, it, you're worth it if, you, if it could make you better and make you knowledgeable, make you more experienced, make you more sophisticated, make you uh, know some people that is better than you and learn from, from these people, yeah. So I think a, a good strategy is that at an early career, try to make yourself better and better. Yeah, and eventually you'll get good pay. Yeah, you don't need to worry about pay, I think. If you can, if you can uh, get him better and better every day, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. What are your thoughts about how, like, when should, your child move out of home because I guess if you're trying to become really I like, work on yourself a lot if you move out then you have a lot of other additional stresses about like paying your bills and stuff like that when you can't focus on yourself but then the other one is like oh you won't be independent so what are your thoughts on that uh you mean my children what age yeah um, yeah what age do you think you would be like kids gotta get out <laughs> Uh, I think from Chinese culture, we don't, we never have the getting out concept, I think. So family is a family, always a family until, yeah, the whole life will be family. Yeah. So as you know, in the, in the Chinese culture, um, the, the relationship between parents and children um, are like the uh, endless family. It's like that, I think. We, we, I never thought of like one day I, I'm going to kick out my children. Oh, not kick out, kick out. As in like, when do you think that like for the benefit of your child that you think that they should move out of home? Or is that like not a really strong concept? Uh, in fact, I think uh, from Latinx uh, culture and maybe from my, my hometown's culture, our idea is that uh, children and family is like, and the parents is like a family. We help each other in each stage. So it doesn't mean that we, we are going to uh, 
to make our children uh, uh, not independent. But it means that when they do have some difficulties, we'll help them, maybe financially and non-financially. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to achieve some, uh, some, some dreams, you find something that you are really excited about, but maybe at this stage, you don't have enough money, for example, to do it. Then from the family perspective, we can help each other. Why not make it happen, right? So it's like a finance. You can borrow some, some money from future and you can do the finance within your family, not like always from some uh, financial institutions. <laughs> I think this is the, yeah, the thoughts in, <laughs> in Chinese family. We take it like a group and we, we want to achieve um, the, the objective uh, with all our group members. So basically we help each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Like one big company, just do it in-house. Yeah, yeah it's, you, you can take it like a big company. Yeah. So, and we are all together. It's like that. We, because we are lifelong uh, family. So, yeah. yeah. So why not help each other? So it's, it's like that. Yeah. So for myself, I think uh, my parents also helped me a lot when, 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 my, when, when I was uh, in my early career. Yeah. So when, when my children was really young, they help me and I focus on my, my, my job. It's like that. So I think most of Chinese family are doing like this. Yeah. yeah. People help each other. When, when parents get old, we help them. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Lifelong teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Li yeah. Lifetime teamwork. And it's like, a, it's like a family bank. You can take it like that. Right. So now you need some, some deposit to support your parents and the future parents also need some support from you. It's like that. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Um, mm. Cool. Also, because I'm aware of time, just like a few more things I wanted to ask you about. So wondering if you can give like the two minute summary of the 30% dating rule. I think a lot of young people listening to this would love to know more about that. Yeah, I, I think uh, my suggestion is that to try to enjoy your life, but how to enjoy, make sure that you are doing something that are, you are really excited about and then devoted to it. Because sometimes whether something is really excited or not also depends on how high the quality you can achieve. So if you simply do it at a very low level, of course, uh, it's, it's not that excited. But if you can promote it to a really high level, then maybe it could be something that you are excited about. So again, you need to carefully choose what you are doing and then focus on it and uh, devote all your time to it. Yeah, and uh, eventually the most important thing is that you need to enjoy it, make yourself yeah, happy, that's all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wait, can you explain the dating rule, the 37% about the sampling size and then about then um, picking the next best one? Uh, sorry, which one? 30%? The dating oh. rule, the 37%. Oh, yeah, oh. that's the question I asked. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, you mentioned about that. Okay. That one, yeah, it's a, a little bit complicated but interesting one. It's, it's, I think it's from the Socrates story, right? When, he asked two of his, his students to pick up a, a wheat uh, as big as enough. And uh, they can go along, but cannot go back to 
go go forward to pick it up, but cannot go back. So the first student go go ahead, and uh, um, he found a bigger one and then pick it up. But later on, he found a lot of more bigger one and they get uh, and uh, it's very uh, uh, and he, he he thought that I should be more patient, uh, wait more, and get a bigger one. Then the second one, then the lesson, uh, be very patient, but eventually it's too late to pick a bigger one. So this tells us that in our life, we need to do some, some decisions. So for example, our marriage, right? You cannot go back to choose. Uh, for example, buying house, maybe once you make a decision, you cannot buy another house because your budget is tight, it's limited. So under this case, um, the mathematician uh, suggest a solution. That is, you need to uh, have a sampling. Firstly, have, have a sample first and uh, use this sample to make a judgment. So what does it mean? It means that if you, uh, so for example, take dating as an example, uh, before you, 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 you choose your right one, uh, suppose you know that you are going to date like 10 people. So according to the theory for the 30%, the first 30% will be the sampling. So the first three people, it will be the sample. No matter how good they are, you are not going to choose them. But after the first three people, uh, you just compare with the best one of the first three. If they are as good as the, the best of the first one, then you choose it. And uh, if you can't find the one, then you uh, go to the last one and choose the last one. Yeah, and uh, it turned out that if you use this 30% rule, um, the probability of getting the best one is around 37%. So which is still very uh, pretty good, I think. Yeah. yeah, not bad, not bad. Cool, just a few more yeah. questions. So Frank also wanted to know a little bit more about your parenting style. Oh, okay. What kind of like morals, values do you kind of instill upon your kids? Hmm. In fact, I, I, I just found that parenting is very difficult. Firstly, it's, it's not easy. Yeah, it's, it's different from, uh, from teaching university students. And uh, yeah, for, for, for my children, I, I think I apply the same idea. I just hope that, hope that they can find something that they are, they are really excited about. So I barely push them to do something because I think motivation is the most important. So, uh, what I'm fo focusing on is to build their confidence. So I, I think because for my own, I feel that confidence is really important. So I, I just trying to encourage them, yeah, to to try anything new, and that to learn from the failure. And the second one is that I I think that is what I learned from my parents. That is need to be patient, because uh, kids are different, and they, as I. I mentioned they have different growth pattern. Maybe some people start to work uh, at the very beginning from year one, but some maybe just realize the importance of, uh, of, of being focused and uh, study to work hard or study hard, maybe after the graduation. So I think that's fine. Both are fine. We just need to be patient and wait and the support. For parents might, my understanding is that our most important role is to provide the support to our children. Yeah. And help them to achieve what they want to achieve. 
yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. And just wondering, how do you balance the Chinese versus kind of English learning and kind of culture? Because your um your kids were born in Australia, so yeah, how do you maintain the culture? Uh, yeah, I I think it's really important to uh, maintain our, our own culture. So I, in fact, I spend a lot time a lot of time in teaching my children Chinese. Yeah, my for my eldest daughter, I. I still can remember I spend around one, one to two hours every day to teach her Chinese. Yeah, it's really a lot of time. Yeah, for me because you know uh, I'm pretty busy. But I think it's um, it's important for for them to uh, yeah to to yeah, master Chinese. Yeah. And I guess how receptive are they? Because I know that a lot of my Chinese personally was probably like. I only really started getting interested in Chinese probably high school and onwards. Mm. But um, I don't know if you send your kids to Chinese school or not, but those Chinese school years were pretty pointless, to be honest. So um, Yeah, I, 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 I didn't send them to Chinese school. I, I don't, in fact, I tried to. When, I, uh, when, when we uh, moved to Brisbane, I tried to, uh, to take my, my eldest daughter to the, to the Chinese school when she was in year three. But I, then I realized that the, what, they, what they teach in Chinese school is too simple. My, yeah, my daughter was, was then promoted to year nine in the Chinese school. Then, then eventually we quit. I, I think it makes no sense because uh, <laughs> the learning efficiency is so low there. Yeah. So I, I, I'd rather teach by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, have you seen like your children sort of kind of um, mm. Have they ever like not been interested in Chinese? Because I know that, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. It's very really difficult to, to motivate them to, to learn Chinese. So what, what I'm doing is let's try to, uh, to um, try to introduce them, introduce them to some good Chinese uh, TV program to make, make it more interesting. And sometimes I tell them stories. Yeah, and also read some stories to learn. Yeah, but... Um, it's really difficult to, to learn Chinese, I have to say. Maybe even more difficult than, than, than my learning, Chinese, learning English, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, interesting. Have your children ever said like, oh, dad, why do we need to learn Chinese? We have English. All my peers do um, speak English. Like that's yeah. generally how young children, they don't want to seem different from their peers. And so mm. they might be hesitant to bring maybe Chinese food to school. Have you, mm. how do you sort of counteract that? Does that happen much? Uh, of course it happens because you know, all your friends uh, basically speak English and even, even their, their Chinese uh, classmates, uh, most of them cannot speak Chinese, maybe can speak, but cannot like read or write very well. Yeah. So I, of course they cannot understand the importance of culture. So as I mentioned, I don't want to uh, say too much about importance because they, they simply don't listen to it. So what I'm doing is that I simply ask them to, to watch some Chinese TV, to enjoy the, the program and learn it implicitly. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, and maybe in the future when they've got enough motivation, I, they, they can learn it by themselves. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. I just have a couple of ending questions. So the first one is deep. So mm. Frank, in your opinion, what do you think the meaning of life is? <laughs> uh, life, I think, is about accumulating different kinds of experiences and uh, exploring some new opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and so I, I just like to push myself like a little bit out of the comfort zone and try some new things. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So Frank, if you won the lottery tomorrow and like finances are not a concern and stuff like that, like what, what aspects of your life would you change? What would you do differently? I think that don't change too much because now I also don't worry too much about my, my financial situation because for my own utility function, I think the money is already enough. Yeah. Even I got more money. I think the lifestyle will not, be changed too much maybe similar yeah yeah that's cool so the yeah. final question is frank what's the ideal perfect day in the life for you what time do you wake up what do you do what time do you sleep etc yeah the nice thing is that every day i can learn some new things yeah and uh, as i mentioned make myself more knowledgeable know more things yeah i think that's the most beautiful part of the life yeah, yeah. you that's keep growing cool. up yeah yeah continuous learning <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> yeah sounds good well frank so um thank you so much for being on the podcast i really yeah. enjoyed your wisdom each time i chat to you i learn something new or i like rethink about something yeah so, thank you Karen, for having me here yeah <laughs> yeah and keep in touch let's say bye yeah. to the podcast so i can stop yeah. the recording see you bye, bye.